Welcome to the Stuck and Rut Podcast. Got him. Dropped him. Nice shot, buddy. We are excited to bring you our stories and hunting tips to elevate your outdoor adventures and experiences. We aim to uncover the real, raw strategies of do-it-yourself hunting that will bring your dreams to life and generate success. To follow along with our yearly hunts, subscribe to Stuck in the Rut on YouTube. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We appreciate everybody's support on the app so far. We are still working to get all the videos and courses up. We had kind of a, an upsetting situation that happened. Everything that was on our hard drive got wiped. So Tom is working fast to re-edit all the rest of our videos and get them up uh, very soon. So as far as the courses go, we have a Spring Bear course online right now on the Stuck in the Rut app. So if you're a premium member, you have access to all of our videos and all the crash courses that we release. And Adam is currently in the process of uploading our moose crash course for hunting moose DIY in Alaska since he gets so many questions on that. So that's the update on the Stuck in the Rut side. And thanks for listening. Today we're talking about rifles, um, long range shooting, precision shooting, close, far, um, different terrains, elevation, reading winds, uh, bad habits that we get into as shooters and hunters, and um, a, a potential really awesome opportunity coming up with our guest Tara Bell of Idaho Thunderbird that runs precision rifle camps and hunting camps and various camps and retreats throughout the year to help educate and train people and give them more knowledge and skills in their sport and in the their hobbies that they absolutely love. So um, we welcome Tara today and as always reach out to us, leave a review, let us know what you guys need and stay um, updated on our app with our most recent releases. Okay, we're going. Okay, we're live. Welcome back to T-Bell. T-Bell. <laughs> I knew Adam could remember T-Bell, not probably not Tara, but you know, T-Bell. T-Bell. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to steal from Dan Staten's Elk Shape podcast that uh, he refers to perfect practice a lot. So we're talking about precision rifle shooting and, you know, you should always be holding yourself to a, a better standard. Oh, I can, like, we all know guys, oh, I can hit a pie plate at 100 yards. Yep, 270 is ready to go out the truck window. I'm like, yeah, but is your gun sighted in when you just had it on a motorcycle and you smacked it into a tree, you know? I mean, skull mounts can take a lot, but I don't know if it can really take that. So, yeah, I'm all about. I don't practice enough because, I mean, there's all kinds of ammo shortages and we're going to get into all that stuff later. But when I do, I really, really, really try and make it count. And I'll do two or three. I'm like, yeah, the gun's on. I know what to do. And if I do my part, I know the gun's going to do its part. And together, we'll make awesomeness happen. And I'm kind of sick. People can't understand me. So, yeah. <laughs> well, today we're sitting down with Tara Bell. She lives in southern Idaho. And for those of you that don't know her, I'm going to let her do a little, little intro on herself and her background. But today we're talking about shooting rifles, hunting with rifles from short range to long range, how to be more precise in your shot, and all of the things that go into the fundamentals of shooting. So, welcome Tara. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your background, your life story, whatever you want to share? Thanks for having me, crew. I appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, actually, Tana and I just got to go uh, on an awesome virtual women's retreat up in Stanley. And I was so pumped that Adam um, got that for her as a gift because he's such a sweet man. <laughs> and uh, we, had a, we had a great time. So basically, yeah, um, I'm fourth generation from the Wood River Valley, which is in southern Idaho, right outside of Sun Valley. Um, I've grown up in the mountains. <clears throat> Rivers, lakes, all the things. And I guess you could say that I kind of took that for granted for a really long time that I was raised with all of these skills. And um, at some point in my life, I realized I should share those. And basically, most of my background is in um, lots of ski racing. I was a college ski racer, Division One at Montana State. Um, I was in the X Games. I did ski across. I did all kinds of things like that. I went to TV for a long time. <clears throat> and um, when I became a mother, 
I realized that it would be much more beneficial, especially to be able to get my uh, daughter out into the woods if I worked for myself. And I got divorced about two weeks before COVID hit. I was single parenting, COVID hit, and the business that I had before totally ate a big one, <laughs> to say the least. And I had no idea what I was going to do. So I had some uh, awesome, massive time for reflection, like everybody did during COVID. Yeah. And, and I just decided, I was like, wow, I guess I have a skill set that a lot of people don't have. And when the world gets weird, people are going to need to be self-reliant and to learn how to do some things on their own and have some skills. So I gathered all of my super talented friends together and just kind of went for it and started uh, doing camps. So <clears throat> this has been going on now for about nine to 10 months. And this is my first uh, precision rifle camp. So far, most of my camps have been women's camps only. And I'm really excited to be able to have men and women together, whether it's couples or parents and their kids to get everybody together to learn the fundamentals of shooting a rifle. And whether it's precision rifle or <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess we could break that down a little bit more, but most people, I think they think about precision rifle as just long range shooting at a range. And um, I, the, the word precise comes to mind in precision, which means if you're going to be hunting and killing an animal and taking its life, it's a good idea to be precise about what you're doing. So we're putting on a camp June 16th, 17th and 18th, uh, right outside of Sun Valley, Idaho at our gun range. And we have steel, from about 100 yards out to almost 1500 at different elevations and different terrain. So um, I'm just really stoked for this camp to happen. And I think people are going to be able to really learn a lot, which brings us kind of talking about what precision shooting is and um, that it is directly uh, correlated to hunting yeah. in many ways. Yeah. And you're an NRA instructor as well, correct? Yeah. I'm an NRA instructor in pistol rifle and shotgun and, um, I've been hunting most of my life. I got really into it about two to three years ago and I just can't really learn enough. <laughs> um, I take classes all the time from different instructors just so I can keep learning and learning. I think it will be a lifelong lesson. And actually the more I learn, the more I realize what I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thanks for coming on with us. I, I kind of want to get into your camp and talk about shooting and stuff, but I also want to hear a little bit more of your background with the other things that you do in the, the outdoors, like the survival side of things. So, um, you went on a pretty crazy adventure a couple months ago, did you not? And then can you tell us a little bit about what that was like, the things that you did, the challenges you faced and how that kind of all ties into being self-reliant in the outdoors and being prepared because you can learn how to shoot and you can do all this stuff. But if you don't know how to actually survive in the wilderness in case something happens, then that's another problem too. So uh, your background is extensive. So I wanted to ask about the survival side. Yeah. Um, I have a really good friend in town I grew up with who um, makes a living at teaching survival skills and classes. And I have trained with him quite a bit. And then also at my women's camps, we survival things and bushcraft are a big part of it. And what I realized through learning is that I needed to learn even more. So I went on a backcountry ski trek on skis with skins on them for four and a half days in the Sierra Nevadas uh, on the Mountain Warfare Training Center, which is a high elevation sniper training base um, right outside of Reno. And <clears throat> we were, like I said, on skis, we were pulling all of our gear in a Norwegian sled that we had attached to our waist. We had on huge packs, we had our rifles, <laughs> our tripod. Uh, we had pretty much everything we needed to be to be self-sufficient for those days. We were carrying a ton of weight. Not only were we skiing and trekking about 30 miles, I guess, by the time the trip was over, but we were building snow caves, sleeping in snow caves, Quincy huts. And we did actually have a cabin with no running uh, water, electricity, or heat that we could base out of. We were also uh, long range shooting from ridgelines throughout the whole entire experience. So we were shooting from about 300 yards. I think our, my longest shot was 1888. Wow. Um, that I took. And <clears throat> it was, um, you know, you kind of think that doing something like this, everything's going to be taken care of and going to be safe. But one thing I realized is that the second you get into the backcountry and things don't go exactly how you expected them to go and things are going sideways really quickly, whether it's uh, dehydration or lack of shelter or um, having the weather change very quickly. So there was a lot of things that we had to navigate, um, you know, throughout that. And we were basically, you know, I was not really 
allowed to use a lighter to start a fire. So we were starting fires with everything from flint and steel to a ferro rod. Um, we made a bow drill one day, which is probably one of the hardest ways and most exhausting ways to start a fire <laughs> is, no, is what I learned. <laughs> so Last that's resort. not my favorite. Yeah, that's not my favorite go-to definitely for uh, starting fires, but um, a lot of things came up throughout that trip, even with a really uh, qualified instructor that we had to navigate through, especially with um, dehydration and uh, your, your food source, you're eating um, peak meals the entire time. So a lot of things come into play with uh, <laughs> your digestion. Yeah. I highly suggest probiotics when you are eating dehydrated meals for a week. But, you know, a lot of things I noticed with precision <laughs> shooting while we were on that trip is you are, you know, you're exhausted because you've been skiing and trekking all day. You are definitely not in the right state of mind. You are, um, you know, a lot of things are going on. You're shaking, the wind's changing, you know, you, you don't have like a truck to throw your gun in, you know, at the end of the day and you're packing everything. So there's a lot of, um, decisions that need to be made a lot of situational awareness with, um, with the climate and what your body's doing throughout that process. Yeah. Wow. Adam, you think you can do that? <laughs> What's that cost to do something like that? I, I could just see Adam. Sounds like you like pay to go be freaking miserable. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Actually, my instructor told me that he couldn't find any of his clients <laughs> to go and that I was the only one dumb enough to try <laughs> Must be tough. That's what I tell people moose hunting. You're gonna be gonna be moose hunting. You're gonna be dumb. And you're gonna be tough. But I mean, I think that's good from an instructor standpoint when you have all the variables like that. You know that you can you can kind of evaluate your students and size them up and see how they're gonna adapt to this shift and they gotta pivot and they gotta make a move and figure that out. You know. Yeah, the skiing part was the element that I think that most people um, didn't want to do. They wanted like a ride up to the base. They wanted a snow machine, a side-by-side yeah. -side something to get them to. Like nobody really wants to carry over 200 pounds of gear with them for four and a half days in the mountains. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably the kicker for most, most people, but then we can, you know, that directly correlates to hunting on a hunting trip for four or five days. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless you have a guide, nobody's packing your shit for you up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all on you. So you were the only applicant or the only person or what? That's I was the, I was the only one. Um, I was the only one, uh, I guess, uh, dumb enough or brave enough to go and give it a shot. But I knew my skiing skills um, were pretty strong. And I'd like to think that I'm in good enough shape to be able to pack around that much gear. It did turn out we had a little too much stuff. So I wish I would have kind of gone through my gear and weight everything and really dialed that in a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I wish I would have done, yeah. but I was the only, yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. So with that, you know, shooting when you're exhausted and you're shooting at these different elevations, what would you say like the most important things to focus on when you're in those situations and you're, you're shooting from these different positions? What's the biggest thing that we need to focus on or that people make mistakes with? Uh, for me, there's a few things. Breathing. <laughs> a lot of people really, really forget to breathe. Um, and also just going back to all of your fundamentals because just jumping right into it and not going through all of the, the right steps, the way that I was taught to make sure that you're on, um, I think is what I see people forget the most is just going straight, like getting their gun out, not making sure they have a proper rest, you know, not paying attention to really anything else that's going on, not breathing. And all of a sudden you're in a whole situation. Everything just goes to shit because of that. And so it's like getting right back to basics. Every time you go practice, every time you're training and not forgetting all the things that you learned from the first day you started. Yeah. Well, it's definitely not a beginner's course either. Cause you're in the snow. You're talking about shooting off bipods, tripods, long range in the snow you're not just out of gun range and, okay, shoot that steel target at 500 yards and lay down on this mat prone. That's a little easier than uh, being up in the mountains with those kind of conditions. That sounds pretty difficult. Yeah, and you're, you know, you're, you've, been, you've been hiking all day, so you're sweating, and then you're, you're still, so then you start freezing when the wind comes up. So you've got all of these weird elements going on, and not only that, too, but your your rifle or your firearm maybe you know something happened where it got wet 
maybe your glass, you know, like, I don't know, maybe you got snow kicked up all over your scope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like so many things play into that. So it's just like when everything is perfect, whatever your definition of that is, it's one thing. But when things start, you know, changing quickly, but, you know, that's just like when you're in the mountains and you're hunting. So many things are unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anything's ever been perfect. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a perfect situation. I usually I used to carry two of those neoprene scope covers when I was hunting in the rain and one got soaked. I could take it off and like hang it on my backpack hoping it would dry out when the sun never came out and then put another one on because that thing gets soaked and it actually is a deterrent. It just holds moisture under your scope and so then when you pull it off, oh, I'm going to have a nice clean sight picture. Doesn't happen. Um, what was the what was the setup? What rifle? What tripod, what rail, and then, like, what rangefinder were you guys using for the whole setup? I'm curious. Well, that's a really, really good question because I didn't get to pick anything out. I got there, and um, and Mesa Precision, it was uh, 6.5 uh, Creedmoor. Oh, man. Um, that we were using. We had a Night Force scope, and... Um, uh, I didn't even have my own rangefinder. He was ranging it with his rangefinder, so I have no idea what rangefinder he was using. Everything was like happening super, super quickly, right? So it was like, oh, we had a Spartan, um, a Spartan tripod, which was really cool because one of the legs comes off of it because those are like magnetic. Yep. Mm-hmm. So one of the legs come off, so you can kind of use it for um, like your back support. So, um. I was also learning the entire time too. So there was a lot of things that were new to me is of course, that's where I went, but, um, (laughs) the bolt on (laughs) that gun was getting jammed the entire time. So I couldn't reload very quickly. So I was lifting my head every time to try to like, to try to reload, reload, reload. And I'm not sure if that was from the moisture or from the temperatures changing so drastically throughout the day what was happening with that, but that, I mean, I hit my, uh, my first shot at 1888 with that setup. So I guess it worked pretty good, but I, everybody tells me that that's mo- mainly luck. <laughs> <laughs> that's way over I've a mile. Never shot that far, yeah. My so. first was like 1500. So that's a good shot. But yeah, in the mountains well, with temperatures and like barrels and chambers, there's a lot of weird stuff. Like it's wizard magic that happens inside with just a little bit of moisture inside the case and pressure differentials that can really make things get weird. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, it was, it was lightweight, you know, which is obviously super important too. when you're going that far. I mean, I think that we, that we skied close to 30 miles, um, but you know, that's, that, that comes along with, okay, if I'm going in the mountains and I'm hunting or whatever, like how much is all my stuff weigh? Is this a gun? I can pack a really long ways. Like you have all this extra stuff. So I just feel like that there's so many, so many crucial things that went along to making that successful. I did have a really, really good instructor and I think that that helped a ton. But like I said, I'm sure there was more luck involved than anything. (laughs) It's skill. (laughs) Skill combined with a little bit of luck sometimes. <laughs> yeah, reading wind for me is definitely going to be a lifelong lesson. I think that was probably the most difficult part um, of the of the whole entire thing because, you know, wind's changing. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe, Adam, you know this, but, like, as far as, like, if you're shooting 1,800 yards, how many times are, does the wind change throughout that? that range sure, dude you can get so technical i yeah i've asked a lot of guys like where does the wind most affect the bullet is it when it first starts out of the barrel that's when it's fastest but it doesn't have a lot of inertia energy built up is it mid-range and so you know as that bullet arcs too like i shot a bull my furthest shot an animal is 774 and i'm looking at the fog in the bottom of the creek and it's like two three miles an hour so i held adjusted for that it was like a minute and a half and i should have held like two and a half maybe three minutes because it drifted and hit him you know i aimed behind the shoulder buffered it a little bit and hit him like base of the neck in front of the shoulder and it sacked the bull but uh what i didn't realize is when you shoot that bullet arcs up and as it goes up the wind that you're looking at the fog in the bottom of this little draw is two, three miles an hour, but as your bullet arcs up over that, you know, a hundred feet above that, it's four to five to six miles an hour higher up, you know, cause there's not as much uh, surface tension down there and the wind can move faster, higher up. And so you have more 
wind drift further up. So there's all kinds of things that go into that. I am not an expert on wind. I think it's a lifelong endeavor. And I try and be as precise as possible, but if I'm not confident in the wind and it's not almost dead calm and I am rock solid and it's a long shot like that, I just get closer. And usually you can, but in those situations you can. It's good to be able to utilize that. I, but like I said, I've never shot 1,800 yards or almost 1,900, so that's pretty impressive in mountain conditions with a light gun. I suck at shooting light guns because... I'm dumb and tough and carried around a 12-pound gun, and I use that to sheep hunt with. So I'm excited to have a lighter gun for this sheep hunting season. <laughs> but uh, it really it uh, masks a lot of the errors, too. You pick up a seven, seven and a half, eight-pound gun, um, a lot of things start to show up and manifest that you didn't know you had all these problems with, you know? Yeah, and I think, too, like, you know, if I would give anybody advice, like, you know, you asked me about my setup. I had never shot that gun. I didn't even know what I was getting into. So it's like, you know, when people come to one of my camps or one of Tana's camps or what have you, it's like, know your gear, right? I would have been probably a lot better off if I would have taken one of my um, guns that I've been able to train with and practice with because I would know it a lot better. And I think that, you know, it probably would have served me a little bit better to do that. But I didn't have the opportunity to do that. And plus, I got to shoot somebody else's ammo. <laughs> <laughs> That's always nice. <laughs> the other thing that trains you in different guns, too. Like, I, I'm a huge proponent of just shoot one gun for everything. But it's nice to have multiple different calibers when you can bounce back and forth. And then you go to one of your camps and you shoot a gun that you've never touched before. And you become proficient with that one. I think it helps you a lot more in the long run than just say, a, say show up with your gun that you already know how to shoot well. And we're just going to show you a few things. But if you can train someone on three different rifles that are brand new to them, I think that's going to help them more in the long run. Yeah, definitely. It definitely could, uh, you know, I think that that's, I think that's important, but I was <laughs> mainly just saying like, it would have been nice to even shoot that thing before oh, I decided I to go ski 30 miles with 180 <laughs> pounds on my back at 1800 yards. I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to give this a shot and see how it goes. That's yeah. kind of how I was introduced into long range. My brothers are just like, here, here's our long range gun. Let's go out and shoot. <laughs> let's, let's just go shoot it. And I didn't know much about it. You know, I was young at the time and sometimes you're thrown into it, which brings me to, you know, a lot of us hunters or people that shoot a lot. If we haven't been through some sort of formal training, just like anything, you pick up a lot of bad habits and just things that you don't even think about. I mean, the breathing, right? Like, my breathing with my shot is probably all over the place. I, I've i done some training on it <laughs> as we did this year, but I mean, it's not consistent every single shot. And so there's a lot of fundamentals, like you said, and basics that are overlooked when you haven't had some formal training of somebody showing you exactly how to shoot precisely. And that affects your hunts and it affects how you shoot animals and if you wound them and if you miss them. And um, so... Yeah, I think we should talk about some of the basics and the fundamentals with that and bad habits that people get into if they haven't had any sort of training. But again, it's a lifelong endeavor. Even if you have had training, there's always things you can learn and practice. Adam, what are your um, what are your bad habits that you've developed? Um, used to be breathing. I'm trying to get better on that. Um, are we talking just guns here? Because I got a bunch of bad habits. Um, let's see here. <laughs> breathing was one. Um, trigger um i'm a i was just born and raised my dad did you know the reason you have a max magnification on the scope it doesn't make you a better shot but it shows your errors and so the more you zoom in on a scope like night force five and a half to 22 that's what we have one of our 338s and you zoom into 22 even on a 500 yard shot you can really tell how much you're moving that's really hard if anyone's ever shot a, a 338 with a break or even with a can it's a it's like a car crash going off when you pull the trigger and it's manageable and don't really panic when the trigger goes off, but it's such a huge explosion with so much energy going out the barrel and coming back to you. It's hard to stay on target and spot your shot. And I'm, I'm bad at that. And so a lot of times I just spot the shot with my, with my ear. If I'm hunting solo and stuff, I just try and hear the bullet hit. And as soon as I pull the trigger, you know, I make sure I have a good trigger pull, rack the bullet and I'm listening for it. But the more you zoom out on a scope, you can, 500 yards i mean easily a three to nine scope will kill something especially the size of moose you're not going to see all the magnifications but you know that you can you know that you can keep the crosshairs right where you need to and it gives you a much larger field of view so i've learned to change that 
better breathing. I used to be like, a, especially when you're like fatigued, right? You run up a hill, you know, an animal wins you, it rounds the side of a mountain. You try and cut them off and get to the saddle and shoot it. And you're like huffing and puffing. It's 300 yards. Mule deer, you go, stop it. And then it was like, okay, huff, huff and puff. And then I'd take a huge deep breath in, hold it at the top, pull the trigger. Maybe under that situation would be okay because you can't like let all your air out when you're fatigued and pull the trigger. But when I'm resting, I used to do that too. I would take a huge breath in and kind of at the top of the respiratory pause, I would hold it. I think you want to be, I think they call it the bottom when you're fully exhaling and like put some weight on the trigger, fully exhale, pin the trigger to the rear, hold it and to learn all that stuff and keep it all together, it's almost like shooting your bow. It's like, how do you do this? And how do you not punch the trigger? And how do you pull back from the elbow, squeeze your shoulder blades together? There's so much that goes into the fundamentals. But when you're shooting at extreme distance or in an animal that's 500 yards in a unfamiliar hunting-type terrain, all that stuff really comes into play. And the more you can neutralize those effects, I think it helps. And so... I usually do pretty good in a hunting situation, I feel like, and I'm pretty quick about getting the gun set up and figuring out what I need to do, but I definitely have some room for improvements, but I'm, at least I, at least I'm trying, you know, <laughs> hope that makes sense. That's all we can all do is just try. <laughs> yeah. And then our grip, I mean, we, um, we used to kind of wrap our thumb around the stock and you're not supposed to do that because you can tweak it just like your bow if you grip it. Um, you'll tweak it versus having a loose grip. That was older stock, um, though, like a regular, like yes. a sporting rifle style stock. Really these new, stock. these new Gunworks guns we're getting, they have like a shelf right for your thumb, and so it just sits right on there. It feels good, and you're not torquing the gun like you would a bow left or right, which will affect the shot. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, the um, when we did some training, Adams' biggest thing was like the trigger and pinning it to the rear because he would kind of like. I don't know, punch it or I don't know how to describe it, and let it, it go. but just kind of like, you know. <laughs> like it's a putt-putt. Pull it and like. <laughs> no, it's like you're at putt-putt golf and you yeah. just tap it and back off. You need to, the guys kept telling us. You have that a, full trigger. They're control. like watching me and like not mean, but like stern. Grab the trigger, press it to the rear and hold it. And you want to hold it like for like a second after you go. You want to be able to like see the impact. We're shooting six fives too. Um, and you want to see the impact. And like when they were like shooting, holding the trigger and then boom, bullet impact 500 yards then releasing the trigger cheek stays on your cheek weld you don't mess anything up come back and that was another hard thing too to reload the gun with your face on the cheek and you're like your cheeks on the gun like no it's gonna hit me right in the face I'm like i promise you it's not gonna hit you i'm like yeah but it's so close but then you're already set up for your next shot you're on target the animal's still there oh it gets up again you've reloaded and then let it rip again it all makes sense um and then, like you said, too, T-Bell, you don't know what rangefinder they had because, really, if you're at an effective system, almost like a mil military style, you're not doing any range and you're not calling any wind. Your job is to be on the gun and to be on the animal. That's your job and the only thing you need to do. The other guy, his job is to give you a range and give you the wind call, and you just do what he tells you because he can look at all the environmental factors, the clouds, the fog, the rain, the vegetation, everything, so... Yeah, a lot that goes into it, but it's very interesting and it's very challenging. Yeah, I was having, he was definitely, he was ranging and he was calling wind the entire time I was shooting. Um, just so I could adjust if I needed to. But I can tell you 100% for sure, the few things that I learned, like the less, the least amount of movement that you can have, whether it's with your cheek on your gun, whether it is with, um, your thumb, like you were saying, like where your thumb needs to be. So all you have to really do, the only thing you have to move are your eyes and your finger to pull the trigger. And I used to pull the trigger with a bent finger. And what I learned that helped me a ton was keeping from my knuckle to the tip of my finger on my pulling the trigger, very flat and very straight with a very smooth motion and holding it to the back. I also, too, what I didn't realize before is with my, um, I guess my free arm is really, really supporting the stock of the gun in my shoulder because it's just more support. Like if you don't have front and rear support that's super stable, that that in itself right there will screw up your whole game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Rear bag is everything. And I've used about everything in this planet from rocks, socks with rice, 
other rear bags, heavy rear bags packs, you bring, packs, puffies. puffies, beanies, a fist. Dry bags. Your left hand, like when you're shooting pool and you're trying to lift the pool cue up, I've done it that way. And yeah, a rear bag makes or breaks it too. So, And like you said on the trigger finger, you know from pistol shooting, you don't want to have your finger wrapped all the way around the trigger. And you don't want just the tip on the trigger. You want that fatty pattier finger right in the middle of the trigger and like a straight back press because it matters on pistols at 25 yards but on a rifle at a thousand yards it also matters too and it'll it'll kick the gun just ever so slightly but if you're eighth of a minute off it's going to throw your bullet off down range and then you start adding into all the other factors that you suck with you're missing or you're in the guts and we don't like to be in the guts do we tana do we tana (laughs) (laughs) yeah Wind is is hard too, um, man. But it seems like any really good instructor that you talk to, like I know Seekins is coming to yours, and we'll talk about that, and all your instructors that are coming to your camp. But even these guys that have been shooting their entire life, and they teach it, and I ask, you know, what are the things about wind? Every time they say, wind is a lifelong lesson. Like you're never gonna be perfect at calling wind. Nobody will be. So that gives me some hope. Well, gave <laughs> me least. hope. It, but we did learn a lot. Yeah, and, we were at and the Gunworks. a lot about Mirage and everything. Yeah, you know, those guys at Gunworks were so, so knowledgeable. Brian and Ian were solid. And it was just like, I was like, so how do you guys Jedi's and win? And they both said, we're not. You're taking all of the skills you've learned from every time you've ever made a win call and every shooting competition we've ever been to, military training, all the stuff we've done, and we are making an educated guess. That's all you're doing. And a lot of times, you know, you're you're making educated guess, and then you have to correct for what that was. And if you're if you have good communication between the spotter and the shooter, you said was it a good clean break when you pulled the trigger, and they said, oh, I was a quarter minute left. They said, okay, well, the bullet hit two minutes left, so we're gonna we're gonna adjust for where you decided it was when you broke because you made a bad shot partially, and my wind call was bad, and you worked together probably like you did in the mountains in the snow, freezing your balls off, and then you make a hit in your second shot. So doesn't always work out perfectly but yeah it's an educated guess and that that made me feel a lot better i'm like oh okay so you guys aren't perfect all the time you just look like it right now okay cool any other bad habits you guys can think of that people pick up on to train on or kind of fundamentals that are important i don't know we should do another one of these after this camp to see what t-boss say about all the people that sucked um I don't. I don't know. I don't hunt with many new people anymore because I've done that and it gets old. So I'm not really sure. I feel like our kids really picked it up quick from never shooting a rifle to being able to kill caribou at 500 yards. I just the basics of like when that gun goes off, you should know it's almost about ready to go off, but it should slightly surprise you. And the biggest thing I told them is just like you don't want to be a jerk. You want to be super smooth on the trigger. And then when they made a bad shot on paper at 200 yards or whatever, I'm like, do you jerk the trigger? And I'm watching them, like sitting there like a hawk, watching them saying, don't you dare screw this up or you're not going to get any candy. And they want to be perfect. They're perfectionists. They want to make daddy happy. They're they're females and females shoot amazingly well. But my son also shoots really good too. And they just pull that trigger. They pin it to the rear and I tell them squeeze the trigger nice and easy focus on the middle of the bullseye that's right where you want to hit you're going to kill the animal and they just they do a really good job just basic fundamentals like that but the thing about kids too that i notice and why kids are a lot of times really good at things kids aren't worrying about paying bills kids aren't worrying about what has to happen next kids aren't worrying about that stuff they have way less distractions happening in their minds and they're able to just focus precisely on the mission at hand right yeah they don't have 30,000 things happening. And that's the thing about shooting and, you know, why I love it so much too, is because all my distractions and all of my crap, I get to put behind me and I just get to be there. And if you don't, if you aren't present in what you're doing and you are distracted in your mind, you're going to be all over the place and including (laughs) anticipating the shot, right? Which is what we're talking about too. So anticipating the recoil, anticipating the big bang going off of the gun And that's a lot of times I think where people, you know, create a lot of bad habits too, is they're anticipating it. They're, you know, they're pulling on the trigger super hard. Their muzzle goes up and everything just goes sideways. And I think that, you know, kids, kids, you know, kids aren't really like that. They're like, oh yeah, it's going to go bang. Cool. I'm going to focus the whole rest of the rest of the world is shut out and I'm going to do what you just told me to do. (laughs) Yeah. And they haven't had time to develop all those crappy habits. And they're patient. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, that's why women are, are uh, isn't that 
actual fact, like women are better shots than men. <laughs> Isn't that a thing? <laughs> I think so. We're more Everybody fun. I've taught to shoot, whether it's a pistol or a rifle, nine times out of ten, women are better just because they usually listen better. Uh, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of ego involved and they are a lot more patient and they wait and like, you know, speaking of that, it's like when it comes to hunting, it's like, you know, do you want to have a precise shot? Do you want to drop an animal on, on your first shot? You know, is it worth waiting the time it takes to make a really good shot? I mean, all those things come into play. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Adam even says it when he was teaching people how to fly fish um, didn't you say all the women listened better oh, than, yeah. the, all the, than the guys did and learned faster? Yeah, so. just because they well, listen. Well, women are listening. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. It's a exactly. strength. No, and I, I think this goes for guys and kids and everyone. I mean, I just really honed in on my kids and any new shooter. Like, recoil is mostly a mental thing. You're not shooting a 458 lot here. I mean, this is a, a 300 Win Mag or something. It's a Magnum caliber or something like that. And you don't want to start someone out with that. But, I mean, I had my kids shooting 300 short mags when they were like 10. You know, girls, small girls that weighed 80 pounds. And um, I just told them, like, hey, recoil. Explain to them, like, this is an equal and opposite reaction. You're taking a big bullet because you're going to shoot a big animal. And we're not going to use little guns because you're going to shoot a big animal. And it's going to push back to you. But that's fine because you're going to hold the gun. You're going to make it one with your body. You're going to squeeze the trigger. You know it's going to hit a little bit, but you're going to hold on to it. It's not going to hurt, and that's just part of the process. When you explain to them like that and didn't scare them, it didn't seem like they anticipated the shot. They weren't blinking. They weren't scared. And when they did a little bit, they corrected it and they moved on. And I think that's really important to start with someone because that's so hard to fix when you're anticipating the shot later on in life. Just with any gun, you have to start all over. It's kind of like target panic with a bow. You have to go back to shooting a twenty two in your basement and just to get the fundamentals figured out. So, Tara, tell us about this camp that you're running because clearly, I mean, <laughs> even with advanced hunters, we still miss and um wound animals and we're not perfect and it's a lifelong endeavor to become a really good precise shot so tell us a little bit about your camp when it is um your instructors that are coming everything that's going to be going on there because i think it's an amazing opportunity for anybody that wants to become a better shot to go there and learn yeah um it is june 16th 17th and 18th it will be at the herdig shooting center uh, which is just right outside of sun valley idaho so it's actually going to be a pretty good time for people to come. And if they want to, you know, make it a vacation and bring their family, they can do that. It'll be from about nine to four every day um, for the first two days. And then we're going to make it really fun and have a long range steel competition with some super fun prizes. Um, that's probably, the, I'm most excited about that because you get to train for two days and then kind of put your, you know, your skills that you've learned to the test. And um, I, I'm having Cody Leeper, who um, is a Seekins <clears throat> and Vortex <laughs> pro staff shooter. He'll be coming over from Boise. Um, and then I've got a guy that develops optics for Wrighton. Uh, his name is Jeremiah Alexander, who's been instructing for like over 25 years, who um, I think they both are brilliant instructors. I'm also having Andy, the flip-flop guy, come and uh, flip-flop some, some wild game on an open fire pit. I nice. always like to have fun. So <laughs> I'm probably, I, I, I don't really ever want to have a camp that's just all like super hardcore the entire time. I mean, people can only process a certain amount of information. You'll see, see people at camp, start the camp all excited. They'll get, they use all their energy the first day by day two, by day three. Day three, they're kind of like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. max capacity. Checked, <laughs> Checked out. So I always really try to make it fun. Um, it's a really good range. Uh, we're going to have some really fun pistol contests too, like throughout it, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, we are, uh, obviously it's like awesome weather up here in the summer. So I just couldn't really think of a better spot to do this. Mm -hmm. And we're going to open up the long range competition on Saturday to locals as well. So people uh, that think they're, you know, hot stuff can come mm -hmm. out and compete, compete against everybody. Um, the tickets are for sale on my website and um you know it's 2500 bucks to come which since now that i've looked around a little bit at some other camps i think it's what you're getting a pretty good bang for your buck for that much training and also a competition as well and we always have you know like everybody has like swag bags with gear that you can use we've got a little a lot of really great sponsors pitching in for this one and so 
I'm just really excited about it. And I'm going to learn a ton too. I mean, hands, hands down, I'll be learning the entire time along with everybody else. Um, just because every instructor has a different way to explain things and the different way to look at things. So I'm, I'm just really, I'm really stoked. I'm just really bummed that you guys can't come. It sounds, it sounds really fun. I like the competition aspect because I have a competitive personality and um, I'll be so busy in June with just life and houses. He has to babysit my kids. Yeah, I get to babysit six kids. <laughs> um, I retreats at the same time. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise Tan- I'd be there. Otherwise Tana would be gone too. We'd fly a nanny up. We'd both go. Um, tell me a little bit more on the logistics. Where do people fly into on in what day and what all is included, like meals and lodging or how does that work or what are they getting for yeah. 2500 Good question, Adam. Um, it does not include airfare. I think that I will get quite a few people within uh, driving distance from here that are coming. If people are flying, they can fly directly into Sun Valley. Um, it's actually airport is in Haley, but it's SUN for Sun Valley. That's our small airport here. United flies here. Alaska flies here. And if that is not an option, there's Twin Falls they can fly into or they can fly into Boise as well. It, we are about two and a half hours from Boise. Um, in a car and about an hour from Twin Falls. And um, I will give people a few ideas for hotels that they do need to stay. The hotels are not included there. They need to bring their own firearm and their own ammo. But other than that, we've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner included. Um, if people do drink beer and wine after we're done shooting, <laughs> we'll throw point. that in there. Um, always, always a solid point with drinking alcohol and shooting guns. Gotta have that. Um, the herd exchange center has um it's like we have a clubhouse people can get inside out of the sun there's bathrooms um if they feel like they want to shoot skeet you know or anything with a shotgun when they're done there's a huge shotgun range there as well tons of parking it's really accessible really easy to get to it's about a mile off the main the main highway right here through the valley so yeah it's a your 2500 bucks includes all of your instruction your swag bag all your food all your drinks for the day and um and guaranteed good time Heck yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. And this isn't just for, you know, people that want to shoot long range. Like what if I not a big long range hunter or whatever, how would this help me? Well, like we've been talking about, I mean, think this entire time, I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're learning the basics, the fundamentals from step one to step 100. We'll go through the first day. There'll be a lot of classroom stuff that Cody will be teaching. And really getting people, like, you know, all their fundamentals and just the understanding of a firearm and a rifle and how it works, um, what all the components are. A lot of people don't even know what components are on their rifles. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that just being able to start from square one, working through everything in a two-day period is going to be really helpful. And everything Cody teaches is all for hunting purposes in mind. Um, that's the way and the style he teaches. He brings his pack with his, you know, waist strap on it and shows you how to strap that around a tree or, you know, anything that you can use as support. Um, everything will be directly related to your, you know, fall hunting trips. So I don't, I don't, I don't see like anyone. I mean, if anyone said, I don't need to come because I don't need to learn any of that stuff. I wouldn't even really know what to say. (laughs) Yeah, Probably not I mean, a very good hunter if you're done learning. The application to hunting is huge because, you know, there's a lot of different places you can, like, go to a gun range and, and learn to shoot. But how many times do you have an opportunity to learn the different shooting positions and apply it in a hunting situation? So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and there's I don't not a lot of re- shooting at ranges because I'm like, well, it's not, like, accurate to my hunting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't do that. I usually, I, I hate shooting paper. I'll make sure the gun's zeroed and then... Every year, usually, I'll just I'll shoot rocks, or my buddy's got a target out to five fifteen. I'll ding that a few times to make sure. But I want to be more in a realistic hunting environment because even if I'm at the range, I get looked at weird. Even though we're in a small town, I don't I don't shoot off the bench. I just lay down because I'm like, if I'm shooting long range, I'm not going to be shooting something off a bench in the middle of nowhere where I've flown into at six hundred yards. I'm gonna be laying down off my pack or off a rear bag or. Yeah. rocks stacked up as a rear bag or something like that so i'm trying to make it realistic so yeah it sounds fun um i have a hypothetical question so a dude comes says yeah this is awesome super badass i want to go sounds fun i like the competition aspect i got a new like 300 prc and i got a zeroed i got a good load for it i want to come i'm bringing my own gun and my own ammo is that right yes what do i need to bring for ammo like how many shots am I going to be shooting throughout this whole course? 
That is a good question. I think it probably depends. I'm going to let Cody make the call on how like quickly people are progressing. Obviously, we're going to have people at different you know levels, but our instructors, we both will have, you know, we're only taking 20 people for this and we have three instructors. So it's basically like six to one. So um, if we have people that are, you know, I mean, everyone's going to go through the same class no matter what, but the first half of the first day they're going to be shooting and also pretty much the entire second day and the competition is on the third day. We're going to have four different stages. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine for that. Maybe hundred Sounds rounds. about right. Yeah. First day is a lot of fundamentals and just like a lot of dry firing and stuff. Just practice breathing and everything. Yeah. And what's really cool about this range is the only, um, the only straight shot that's on like it's flat ground is at a hundred yards. Everything else above 100 is all at different elevations uh, behind, you know, little rock-like outcroppings, uh, trees everywhere, sagebrush. So 100 yards is going to be your only flat, straight shot. <laughs> Everything cool. else past there is Good. going to be. And, there, and the steel is placed all over the place, too. So a lot of, like, target acquisition, like even finding <laughs> the plate that you're shooting at. That's huge and, for people. Um, yeah. Just to find it and say, okay, shoot that orange thing up there. And new hunters especially, that's a lot of lost opportunity. I know Tana missed a lot of opportunities as a young hunter. Where is it? I can't see it in my scope. So that's huge. <laughs> One thing I want to say before I forget, and this is um, something I've only done a little bit because, like I said, we don't practice enough and ammo is expensive. If I was going to this and I was said, dude, bring in my own ammo and everything, and you're reloaded, or even if you didn't somehow figure out how to pull a primer or do something um, – get a bullet puller and pull the powder out, but I would do um, some dummy rounds. That seems to work really, really good where it's like, okay, T-Bell, load my gun, you know, and you can really sit there and watch me and it's totally random. They don't know when they pull a trigger, if a rifle shot's going off, if it's going to be a blank, if there's even a, a cartridge in there or whatever, or you can just, I guess easier, you can just grab the gun and say, okay, it's loaded and give it to them. And I've had people do that with me and watch and it really, really pronounces an error because you expect the gun to be going off and if you have any issues whatsoever, which we all do, it's going to show up. And you can have someone sit there staring at you, recording you on the phone and saying, look, this is why you suck. Fix yourself, <laughs> you know? It's good. I want to be criticized. I don't want to go to one of these things and have you feed me like peaches and cream rainbows. I want you to say, no, this sucked, this sucked, this sucked, because we're going to be better. You know, I'm not paying 2500 bucks to just go and have fun. I want to get better. I'll make t-shirts that say, Adam says you suck, and if they suck... <laughs> I'll give them a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. You suck. Try harder. That's awesome. <laughs> and then are you going to have spotters there and kind of partner up where people are, you know, calling shots and spotting shots and calling wind and practicing all that too? Yeah. Everyone's going to be teamed up um, that way. And even in the competition as well, that way people will get really good at um, being able to, you know, spot for somebody in a real hunting scenario Hopefully by that point, they'll be able to call wind for them as well. And then people get to play on both sides. Somebody will be shooting, somebody will be spotting throughout the entire time. That way it's just like practice, repeat over, over, over and over. And you can get good at doing both things because a lot of people I know, they're like, oh, I'm a great shot. But, and I'm like, okay, I'm on, I'm on target. And they're like, I'm on glass and I can't, they can't even find like what I'm shooting at. So I think that's, <laughs> so we, we decided that we're going to pair people up and do that that way too. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's really good to practice because I've shot pretty much my whole life, but the first time I, I had to actually, like, say, you know, those commands and spot somebody's shot and tell them where they hit and where to hold next time, I mean, that's an art and a skill in, of, in and of itself that you need to practice, and it's not necessarily easy to do that, and that's all a part of being precise in your shot too is learning how to call shots and yeah we don't have the right we don't have the right verbiage you hit him in the ass aim two feet to the left you know like that's not yeah they were they gun works they were telling us like yeah you're supposed to say yeah when you when the trigger breaks as the shooter you're supposed to say i was center or i was quarter minute right i was minute left you know and usually i usually have some choice words and the trigger break Dang! something else you know and um 
yeah, like Kodiak, for instance, we were trying to shoot. You hit two goat lengths to the right, <laughs> aim two goats to the <laughs> left, and it was just like something wasn't working with the SIG rangefinder we had, and it was just like it was totally off, and the fog and the mist, you can't get accurate range. And so, yeah, we're not the most professional when it comes to, like, the verbiage, you know. <laughs> yeah. Lay down and shoot. Reload. What are you doing, you idiot? You hit him in the ass. Shoot Can him again. Can you imagine having Adam next to you calling your shot and – trying to tell you what to do it's very stressful it's very no intense. no this year i was this year i was very calm i said i said that big bastard's right there you sure you want to pick up this 338 he's 300 yards away we can sack him right there and i can land right next to him and she's like shut the hell up i'm using the freaking bow leave me alone and then she just walks away on a stock i'm like all right i guess that's that so that's how this year worked and i've gotten to the point now where tana's so independent she's become such a phenomenal hunter and shot i really don't coach her she just takes her thing and goes and unfortunately i don't get to see it a whole lot i get to see it on video and i get to pick her up and you know relive the experience and see the video but i don't get to be there with her so we do it's really special but yeah she's come a long ways and she's what she make what she lacks in precision rifle she makes up for in I don't know if it's pure luck, but I mean, she can freaking drop animals running at 300 yards, and I suck offhand. I think I've shot two animals my whole life out of maybe 50 or more offhand. I'm always land down prone, take it a knee. It was just ingrained into me by my dad and every Outdoor Life magazine, every shooting article you ever read. Get a rest. Get a rest. Get a freaking rest. And we all know being prone is the best thing you can possibly do. And Tana's just like, I'm going to take this 12-pound gun, throw it up. It seems like I can barely hold it up, 30-inch barrel, and just freaking roll animals. But I've seen it time and time again. I'm just like, wow, that's impressive. So what she makes up for, maybe precision and skill set and breathing or whatever she screws up, which I don't know what her issues are. She oh, makes up. a lot of issues. She makes up for... <laughs> a lot of people struggle with getting the gun set up and like running up there, getting the bipod, but she, she can do it with the best of them. I've seen it run up there as she's running, dropping the bipod, making sure the rounds loaded in, throwing the scope cover off, dropping it next to her pack in the tundra at full sprint, laying down on the gun as she's pulling out the range finder to get a range, range in front of the animal, stopping the animal and dropping it all within like four seconds. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm trying to coach her, obviously, in the background. She just zones me. I was like, shut up. I got it. And that's one of the many reasons why you love her. Yeah, Thanks, Adam. That's like the nicest thing you ever said. Yeah. To me. She's gonna surprise. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, honey. There you the go. The reason I've gotten better at being so quick on the gun is because I've for three years in my teens, <laughs> I missed like a nice six point bull elk every year because I couldn't find the thing in my scope. Or I wasn't fast enough, or I didn't react fast enough. So you better believe I wasn't going to continue that pattern. But I do have bad habits. I mean, breathing is one for me that I'm working on. How I pull the trigger and pinning it to the rear, I have to do better at that. Keeping my face down on the gun to reload. Instead, I always come up off of the gun to reload, and then I'm trying to reset and find where my target went. Um, all those things are so hard. And then wind, reading wind, you just can never learn too much about reading wind and mirage. And, oh, man, it's just, it's a never-ending thing. But if you want to get better at it, you have to practice it and practice it well, right? I'm just yeah, thinking, practice but... it well and get as much training as you can. I mean, I'd go to I'd go to a training every single month, whether it was bushcraft uh navigation like you know learn learning how to read uh and use a compass on a real map <laughs> i mean yeah. what a thought <laughs> you know i mean i would i would go to it i mean i'm going to too i'm going to go take as much training as i can hopefully i can come to one of your camps hopefully adam can come to one of my camps some point later this year that would be super sweet too <laughs> oh yeah we still need to chat about that <laughs> oh yeah okay. hopefully it won't sound like this but yeah We'll talk. No, but I'm really excited about it. And uh, I'm really appreciate you guys uh, giving me the opportunity to chat a little bit about this and have this discussion because, uh, you know, on Instagram, I've gotten the funniest things that people have said today, basically like, hey, who thinks precision shooting has anything to do with hunting? And like 35% of the people said it has nothing, like they have nothing to do with each other. 
Yeah, but and those are the dumbasses that those are the dumbasses <laughs> that hit the pie plate at two like not even maybe like a hundred yards. I I I've been hunting with these guys in high school. Like, oh, gun's good. It lived in the back of the truck rack against the glass, getting beat up for literally the last twelve months. It's good. My three to nine Redfield's gonna work on this auto loader thirty out six, and it's like, yeah, that's good. But even if you can only shoot that and you go to this precision, precision rifle camp and then you can actually accurately shoot at four to 500, it's going to make you so, so much better. Just the basic fundamentals, just how to hold the gun. Basics 101. And when we do better, we have more fun, turns out. And then we want to, and then we want to keep doing it year after year after year. We don't get super frustrated and super mad and say, screw it, I'm not going to do this anymore which a lot of people do. I have women that I teach that are like, well, I used to uh, shoot a pistol a ton or I used to shoot a rifle, like a rifle a ton, but I got so frustrated because I wasn't accurate and it just wasn't fun for me anymore. And if it's like, if it's not fun, it's not worth doing. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, if people have ever almost, I've almost left the range multiple times in tears out of frustration. Just like you want to break the gun in half. Like it's okay. I'm just going to go home and cut it in half and chop saw. This thing is worthless, but there is something really special and really invigorating about taking a small bullet that weighs 200 grains. That's this tiny little projectile and you having the skill set to lay down, read the environmental conditions, pin the trigger to the rear and take this little projectile and put it exactly where you want to go with all these variables over and over and over again into the vitals or a 12 by 12 inch square. And it's like, that's pretty impressive. You can do that, you know? It's a cool experience. I definitely think people should partake of. So, Miss Bell, I just want to ask one more question before we wrap up. Why would you not provide guns and ammo at a course? Some courses do, some don't. What's your What's your take on that? My take is that if you're going to be hunting with a rifle, which you need to hunt... <laughs> That you should be training and practicing with the rifle that you own that you're going to be hunting with. I think that is very important. Um, but but Seekins will have a full, you know, they will have most of the rifles there that people can definitely try out. But um, you know, I don't I don't know what your take is on this, but if you're not training and practicing with what you're going to be hunting with, you get your whole your yourself in a whole world of hurt or frustration. <laughs> no, yeah. I agree. I pretty much we've pretty much shot the same rifle since one gun since we moved to Alaska. Um, had my buddy build our kids a thirty out six improved, but other than that, um, mainly it's been that three thirty eight ultra mag, and that's for anything from coyotes, wolves, all the way up to brown bear, one and done. So we're really, really familiar with how that rifle works and stuff. And to be honest, like we're getting new guns, and I'm gonna quit shooting that one. And I'm a little, I'm a little nervous because I have a lot of history with that gun. You point the gun towards the animal, and it just they die. So. Um, I'm a little apprehensive. I hate change. I'm old school. I'm an old salty bastard. It's hard to change in my ways, but Tana's telling me I got to be new and I got to be hip and we're going to make changes. So be hip, be cool, Adam. That's, that's basically what my, my morning motto is when I wake up, it's on a post-it note on my mirror. Be hip, be cool. <laughs> be you, be you. Exactly. Keep, right keep hammering. Uh, of course. Yeah. Um, can people have mills or MOA or... Is there, are, are instructors going to cover both? Depending on I'm pretty sure they're going to, and they're going to cover both just because we can't really, uh, foresee, right. <laughs> you know, you know, that part. And, um, I learned in MOA and then, uh, when I went on my adventurous trek in the Sierra Nevadas, I had to shoot in mills. So I had like a three hour crash course of, that'd be hard. Um, of uh yeah learning mills and then also uh, map navigation and a compass and all kinds of different things the night before we went out on that trek <laughs> uh <laughs> at about 11 o'clock at night and um so you know it is something i think you can learn quickly not saying that we're going to give anybody a crash course and and anything but you know i mean we got to learn as much as we can and i mean i like to know as much information as i can completely <laughs> yeah i don't know what most hunters use i mean i don't know if it's just preference i know guys have used both military or what but yeah i I'm, like moa just because that's all i've ever shot <laughs> that's all i've ever shot but i i also think the values are smaller like i don't know what three moa is is like 0.6 mils or whatever but it seems more precise mm -hmm. than from just the 
basic stuff I know about Mills, and that was a long time ago. I knew a guy I was shooting prairie dogs with that shot at North Dakota, and um, yeah, I mean, he was accurate. I don't even think he was ex-military. He just liked it, and it's total personal preference, but I definitely think if you're partnered up with someone, a hunting, hunting partner, you need to both be very, very familiar with what system you're using and probably stick with the same one, especially on both your guns, so you can hop back and forth and not have one guy in MOAs and one guy in Mills. That'd be tough. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Since you did both, what do you like better? What do you, What's your preference? Probably Mills. I feel like there's such a nonstop argument about this. Like, everyone I talk to is like, no, blah, 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 blah. I just feel like <laughs> I could memorize things easier. Um, it just made more sense to me in my brain. But that's just the way that my weird brain works. I think everybody, you know, everyone's brain works in different ways. And it's like, you know, you should learn whatever is going to be the easiest for you to adjust in a stressful pressure situation, right? Yep. Absolutely. I really don't care. I'm going to good buddy and Brady, if you're listening to this, this is for you, buddy. Animal can't be too dead. So whatever you decide to use, if you put the bullet where it needs to go and the animal's dead, that's what matters. Because a lot of times people talk about too much recoil or, oh, that bullet's too big. Or, oh, you don't need a three thirty eight rum for sheep. I'm like, why the hell not? It gives you a lot better um, margin for error. Yeah, it destroys the front shoulder. But, like, the animal's dead. And if you screw up on a wind call or different things like that. Now, that being said, I'm going to switch to a 7 for a sheep because I think that's more appropriate and mainly just because it's lighter. And I don't want to shoot a 7-pound 338 rum, but I like what he has to say. Animal can't be too dead. So if you're better on mills and you understand you're faster, just if you're faster alone, that makes all the sense in the world because that's going to get you one to two to three more animals throughout your lifetime of hunting. And that, to me, makes the difference. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to add this camp that's going to be taught? I guess, are you going to do any handgun instruction or is it mainly rifle? It's, it's mainly rifle, but we have some really fun, uh, steel plates to shoot your pistol. Um, and it's also, you know, sometimes I'll just do a little fun pistol shoot, you know, for something like, I don't know, shoot the $20 bill and you get the amount, you know, I just like to throw in little fun things on the side for people, mm-hmm. especially during breaks. Like some people love long lunch breaks. Some people like, like a five minute, like to, you know, keep learning while they're eating lunch. So I just think, and I will, I'll obviously I'll be there <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> um, so I will have it open if people do want to, you know, not take a break and, and shoot their pistols and get a little bit of instruction from me. Awesome. Um, but you know, we're going to hit rifle stuff pretty hard most of the time, but I always think it's, you know, a good time to sort of mix it up, especially when people's brains hit burnout max stage. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. That's another skill in and of itself. <laughs> it's but I would accurate. have to suggest like if people that are listening to this have never been to Sun Valley or this area, I mean, we'll be done by about four o'clock every day and the sun doesn't go down, you know, until about 830. There'll be plenty of time to go fly fishing or take the the chairlift up to Sun Valley and check stuff out if they want to bring their families and have the kids do fun stuff during the daytime, too. So it can be a little bit more of a destination opportunity, too, for families that want to come and want to experience. I mean, this is, you know, obviously I'm sort of biased since I grew up here, but I think this is one of the most beautiful, um, you know, places that there is in Idaho to be in the mountains and fishing and rivers and you know it's just sort of a magical place so i would highly suggest people to bring their families with them if they're going to do this camp and i didn't put an age restriction on this i mean obviously you know you know not many 10 year old kids probably want to do a 2500 dollars rifle camp but I, I the last long range uh competition i saw a 14 year old girl smoked 15 uh grown men <laughs> really wow. yeah she won that's awesome i so. love it yeah, Very so cool. it's for, for so it's for everybody. Yeah, Sun Valley's beautiful. It's amazing. Definitely go. Awesome. Well, where can people find you? Um, where do they buy tickets? How can they follow and you? When is contact it, you. You said 20, 20 spots, right? When's it go open so people can buy it? Yep, twenty. I have I have twenty spots uh, tomorrow, which is uh, Thursday, March twenty fourth. Tickets will be live. Like you just said, we have 20 spots open. You can go to my website, which is idahothunderbird.com. You can also find the link to purchase tickets on my Instagram profile, which is also Idaho underscore Thunderbird. <laughs> you sure it's Thunderbird? Um, okay. 
Just remember Thunderbird and you'll be good. I am everywhere online. Um, but if you, if you are listening to this, um, it makes sure that you get a jump on it pretty quickly because 20 spots fills up pretty quickly. And um, if people are local and they are listening to this, they can also compete and just buy for 175 bucks. It's your entry fee to the long range competition. That includes a really killer lunch by Andy flip flop guy. I've heard great so things about lot- that guy. Great things. He is awesome. I can tell you in the entire industry, besides you guys, of course, he's probably one of my most favorite people that I've met in the hunting and outdoor industry to this point. He is super down to earth. He's an amazing chef. He's fun. He just like, he's in it for all the right reasons because it's his passion. And those are the kind of people I like to surround myself with integrity. They do what they say they're going to do. Yep. They have passion for everything, you know, that we're all doing here. And, uh, and I'm, I'm super grateful he's coming. Great. Yeah. I want to meet that guy. Yeah, not many like that around. Yeah, we had nope. a conversation the other day. Like, why does nobody do what they say they're gonna do? All a bunch of cowards. Oh, yep. <laughs> what is? <laughs> well, thanks, Tara. Um, so yeah, if you go to the camp, make sure you call her Tara, not Tara, <laughs> even Sorry. though it's spelled that way. Adam does it all the time. Uh, but thanks Mrs. For, Bell. Thanks well, for I joining a, I us. Do have a re- that I can tell you guys later. Tara is my real name. I think I but saw your real name the other day and I I was almost like, wait a second, is this really your name? I know. I was like, hey mom, this I know. This might I was be confidential, but I'm gonna tell Adam later. Is it like yeah, a stripper name like- or what is it? <laughs> Chastity? close (laughs) let's just let's just say i was born at home in a hippie commune my dad built the birthing chair that i was born in and i'm pretty sure there was lots of different things happening while i was being born and my mom just pulled that name out of nowhere so let's just say that (laughs) (laughs) i'm 100 sure adam's gonna call me that after this absolutely he he will too (laughs) oh oh boy all right love it a lot you guys yeah Thank you. That's it for today, everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you like the podcast, please leave us a review and also reach out to us with any questions. Until next time.